big stuff happening this week. Well, if you've been out for date nights, you might have noticed price cuts on restaurant food and attractions, thanks to VAT reductions. The face mask debate continued with hashtag mask moaners doing the rounds on Twitter after we learned that we're going to have to wear them in all shops soon. And Banksy's latest coronavirus-inspired artwork got people talking after it was removed from the London underground. Locally, lots coming up for you, including how a domestic abuse charity has adapted during lockdown, a bookshop in Oxford that's got some ingenious ideas for getting football back up again, and a celebrity visit to a local children's hospice. First, though, we learnt this week that human trials of Oxford's potential coronavirus vaccine have reportedly shown some promising results. Here's our reporter, Alex Meakin, to explain the update. Yes, so hopes for a coronavirus vaccine have been given a boost this week by reports of strong results from trials in Oxford. Scientists say the jab could provide double protection. Hundreds of British volunteers have now been given doses and blood samples suggest it stimulates the production of both antibodies and so-called killer T-cells. They're described as immune warriors and it could bode well for long-term ability to fight off the virus. Further trials are still needed, but the Daily Telegraph says Oxford Uni researchers are hopeful the vaccine could be ready as soon as autumn. It's one of more than 100 in development and if it does work it'll be given to the most vulnerable such as the elderly and healthcare workers first and the government will also allow technicians nurses and pharmacists to give the vaccine as well as gps thanks alex it all sounds pretty interesting and encouraging doesn't it now an oxfordshire mp is leading the first inquiry into the government's handling of the coronavirus crisis bereaved relatives are submitting evidence it's a new all-party parliamentary group and it's being chaired by Leila Moran. And she's been speaking to our reporter, Emma Kerwin. It is a group that's being pulled together to do an inquiry into where we are on coronavirus right now, um, with the view to making sure that we are ready for autumn, winter, when there is a possibility of a second wave. And our concern is that the government doesn't seem to be doing this systematically and that if they don't start soon, they're going to run out of time. But our other concern is that unless it's done in an open and transparent way, then people aren't going to really feel that they've got all the information that they need. So we're getting up, we're getting running, uh, and there's no time to lose, frankly. What is the aim of the inquiry then? Uh, So the aim of the inquiry is to learn the lessons learnt from the implementation of uh, both lockdown, uh, the um, preparedness of the NHS and social care, Uh, to find out what is the government's strategy for coronavirus. At the moment, it's not entirely clear. Other countries have been clear that they are aiming as quickly as possible to get to zero coronavirus cases. But it looks like that's not the strategy of the UK. Well, if that's not the strategy, what is the strategy exactly? Um, And how does that fit with the devolved nations, for example? So there's a lot that we still need to learn. And our concern is that unless the government is listening to a broader range of experts, learning the lessons for how we've got to the point that we are now, that they aren't going to be as prepared as they should be for that crucial time in autumn, winter, when we might expect a second wave and we might expect the NHS to be overwhelmed again. What evidence is being collected? So we are talking to, and we're inviting actually the public to submit evidence, and uh, that will go live very soon. Uh, We've been talking to, for example, bereaved families, those who've lost people to coronavirus. We're talking to scientists, members of uh, Independent Sage are giving us evidence. We're talking to frontline workers um, who are writing submissions to us, doctors, 
social care workers who are telling us what it's been like on the ground. Um, and it's going to be very broad and we are going to be meeting all the way through parliamentary recess. There will be no recess for us because this is just too important. Um, and the idea is that we will then be able to report back in full uh, by the end of September, but all the way throughout, as we gather evidence on different themes, we will be publishing those. So we're as open and transparent as we possibly can be. Do you expect it to be quite an emotional time then, looking through this evidence from like families, loved ones who might have lost someone during this pandemic? A really, really emotional time. I think for everyone, I mean, everyone has been affected by coronavirus in, in one way or another. And one of the things that we will be looking at is the impact and the trauma that coronavirus has had on individuals and their families, particularly those who have been very badly affected or indeed those who have lost their lives to it. And our concern is that the trauma um, is not adequately taken into account at the moment, that our mental health services that are already overstretched uh, may not be able to cope. And if this is something that the government hasn't thought about, it is our job as parliamentarians to raise a mirror and show the government that there are things that maybe they haven't taken into account that are incredibly important. But that will lie alongside a whole host of other things that we'll be looking at as well. Preparedness for the NHS and social care sector, um, the availability of test, trace and isolate what's gone so badly wrong uh, so far and how do we make sure that it's corrected in time for a potential second wave. There's a lot of very practical things we've been looking at, but that emotional side, as I think, is equally important. Boris Johnson later promised a review will take place into the government's response to the coronavirus. Now, we also learned this week that the pandemic caused around 5,000 heart attack sufferers in England to miss out on life-saving treatment. That is, according to new Oxford Uni research, admissions to hospital for the condition fell by 35% by the end of March. And I spoke to Dr Marion Matham from the Oxford team. People suffering a heart attack need to go to hospital where they can receive effective medicines and procedures to open a blocked artery. You can only really get these treatments in hospital and if patients suffering a heart attack do not receive this treatment, there are increased risk of uh, death or suffering damage to the heart which can lead to long-term heart problems like heart failure. The sudden fall in admissions from heart attacks suggests that uh, it was fear of uh, contracting COVID in hospitals, which was leading to people staying away from hospital. But of course, for people suffering a heart attack, their risk of death or long-term disability from their heart attack vastly outweighs any risk from contracting COVID-19 in hospital. So I think we need a, a clear message to people out there. If you do have symptoms consistent with a heart attack, you need to get treatment in hospital. Can you blame people, do you think, for obviously being quite nervous to go to hospital in March around that time? Because obviously this was all anyone was talking about. It was all that was on, on the telly, on the news, and it was putting fear into people, wasn't it? Absolutely. Um, there was a, uh, a quite rightly, a, a focus on preparing the NHS for a massive influx of critically ill patients with COVID-19 and I think there was a huge amount of fear out there of contracting the virus. In April, the NHS um, and the British Heart Foundation and the British Cardiovascular Society began to send a clear message encouraging people to go to hospital if they have chest pain and that may have uh, contributed to the return to normal in admission numbers. 
And Marion, what does this all mean? Your research, what should governments do about it? What should the NHS kind of take from it? I think our research sends a very clear signal that fear of attending a hospital is a big factor behind uh, people failing to attend for urgent reasons. And I think uh, we need to continue to allay those public fears, particularly if there is a second rise in COVID cases later on in the year. We need to make sure that we uh, assure the public that they can receive the treatment that they need in hospital and that they can do that so safely. Over now to a charity in Oxford, which has revealed it's been giving out smartphones to victims of domestic abuse. Elmore Community Services handed them out during lockdown so that their experts could still spot any instances of abuse happening in the home. Now, Chief Exec Tom Hayes told Emma they're expecting a big increase in demand. Because of the lockdown, victims of domestic abuse are going to be in their homes with their abuser. We need to make sure that we can give support to victims. And so one of the ways in which we'll use the funding from the Office of the Police and Crime Commissioner is to distribute smartphones to digitally excluded victims of domestic abuse. That way we'll be able to physically see victims, to give support, to be able to identify controlling influences in the background of calls and to to be able to reduce the risk of domestic abuse in the home. We also recognise that there is going to be a big increase in the demand for domestic abuse services because of coronavirus and the lockdown. And so this funding is going to help Elmore to provide extra caseworking support to those victims of domestic abuse. The phones, the smartphones, does sound like a really good idea. Is that something that's been happening elsewhere and then is something that Elmore's wanting to bring on? Or do you know how the idea actually came about? Elmore provides support in person to victims of domestic abuse and other people with complex needs. And we're really proud of the in-person support that we offer. It's really person-centred. It's really flexible. It's tailored to people's individual needs. But during the coronavirus crisis and the lockdown, it's harder for us to provide that in-person support without risk of contraction or transmission of the virus. So the use of the smartphones is intended to be a substitute for the in-person support. It's a way of supporting people through difficult times, identifying any signs of domestic abuse among our clients, and also identifying any controlling influences in the backgrounds of calls. As far as Elmore know, we're innovative in this area. The rollout of the smartphones is going to be exciting for Elmore to develop our ways of working. It's a response to coronavirus, and it's intended to be a substitute to uh, the in-person support that we offer. Thanks to the funding from the Office of the Police and Crime Commissioner, we're able to do this on a larger scale to be more innovative and to provide digital support to people who otherwise would be digitally excluded. Do you think it's something that you might keep on doing once lockdown is completely over? I can definitely see a place for digital smartphones continuing to be a way in which we support our clients. We want to get back to providing support in person as quickly as possible and as safely as possible but we recognise that the pandemic is probably going to linger longer and that the lockdown is probably going to be eased slowly. And so having these video phones and having a way of supporting people who are digitally excluded to access domestic abuse support is likely to be with us in the long term. There needs to be a decent childcare option for parents who are struggling this summer. That's what the Managing Director of Oxford Active told our reporter Alex as he spoke about the holiday camp that's launching in Summertown next week. Here is Peter Parry. Okay, so it's running at Summerfield School, which is just behind M&S in Summertown. And it's opening on the 22nd of July and it's running through to the end of August. 
And basically, we're offering as many places as we possibly can to local families and parents and key workers to try and make sure that there's um, a decent childcare option available for parents struggling this summer. Do you think there's a lot of parents struggling currently? Well, we took 55 bookings in our first five hours when we opened up, which is quite unprecedented for us. Um, And we've had a number of parents that have sent through kind of letters of thanks and, and letters uh, before we opened saying how how desperate they were for us to open up and how much they needed it and different circumstances for different families and some kind of quite heartbreaking um, and a lot of general anxiety and stress about the summer's only a couple of weeks away, not having most of their alternative options of, of our type. There's normally at least kind of three or four holiday camps in Oxford City within probably four miles of each other. And as far as I'm aware, this summer, we're the only provider of our type that's able to open up. Um, and we're just really, really happy that we're able to help out and, and do what we do and, and try and help solve that problem for parents. Mm. I think it's a, a sort of overlooked element of this whole conversation about COVID-19 and, and, and key workers going to work. Um it has obviously been incredibly difficult for key workers in, in a difficult time, but it's also been a difficult time for their children, hasn't it? It has, and, and the, the lack of social interaction and distancing from friends, um, and especially children from backgrounds where maybe they don't get as much opportunity to do that um, during normal weeks and normal time, um, it's, it's really going to hit home, it's really going to hit mental health, it's really going to hit physical activity, um, general health and well-being. Um, so we're looking forward to giving the kids an opportunity to get outside, get active. Um, we're also running an, an adventure site on the same on the same campus at Summerfields, where the kids can go kayaking, they can go canoeing, raft building, archery. We're doing some um, open fire pottery. Um, it's it's really going to be quite the contrast to probably what what the children have been forced to have to do is, is try and find activities in the house that they can do. What does it mean to you to be able to provide some much needed respite for these families? It's, it's just a great thing. I mean, we, we've been it's frustrating over this period of time where we're sitting on a, um, a huge bank of local staff who are desperate to help and desperate to get involved. Um, we're, we're sitting there kind of twiddling our thumbs, waiting for the opportunity to, to help and hearing it in the news every day that one of the big obstacles for key workers and for families and adding extra stress at already what is a very stressful time is not having that childcare available. It's, it's a huge relief to us to actually be able to be in a position where we're, we're confident we can open up, we can offer a significant number of places to parents and hopefully remove a significant level of that anxiety from parents and increase the the opportunities for the children to improve their mental health their well-being get them out get them active um get them doing stuff and, and interacting with each other within a safe environment um and, and overseen by kind of staff on hand something a bit different now as we look back at a story we brought you earlier this week that drones could soon be doing deliveries in oxfordshire the county council is looking at whether robots could also help to reduce traffic Llewellyn Morgan is Head of Innovations and has been chatting to Emma about why he thinks the coronavirus pandemic is speeding up the need for autonomous delivery systems. I think there's lots of issues to get over with drones in the air because there's still a lot of regulations and restrictions over different types of flight. But I think 
COVID has recently seen a resurgence in looking at that because you can see how drones could really help deliver um, things to people who are socially isolating, particularly in rural areas. And we've also seen in Milton Keynes, they've got the Starship robots. They're um, small little robots that go on pavements in, in Milton Keynes. They've been delivering um, care packages to people who've been socially isolating. And um, they've actually increased the amount of robots. So the sort of the, the COVID situation is, is sort of bring, brought a new use case and maybe slightly rapid acceleration of um, the application of the um, the Starship robots in Milton Keynes. So it's, I think that's what we're looking at. Is 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 that the sort of thing that might happen? Will drones become more prevalent? I think there's lots of issues of uh, drones in urban areas, but I do think there's potentially applications in. Uh, rural areas for the most isolated people. So we we want people's ideas, um, whether they're completely against it or whether they think we should be even more ambitious. Um, and if people have even got examples of things happening, we want them to submit them on the website and show us other good examples. Why do you think that deliveries need to be improved? There needs to be some sort of rationalisation of deliveries. So it's, I think if you look in urban areas now, Quite often, most different urban areas, up to a third of the traffic in, at any time is, is delivery traffic, um, and if not in more in some cities. So we've got to look at how we rationalise that. I know one of the best ways is the simplest way is people like pedal and post, you know, just using cycling uh, as a way to reduce the impact on a city and reduce the congestion um, and improve the air quality. But I think there's, a, there's an opportunity in there for um, automation, um, as part of it and that might be that it does not even the last mile it does the last very 100 yards 200 yards or something of, and, and you have sort of auto you have um, almost like vans that come in as consolidation centres so I think there's going to be there needs to be something looked at because at the moment there's just, it feels like there's a, an ever increasing number of um, delivery vehicles on the road The council's also asking for your ideas on drone and robot deliveries and you can get involved by visiting oxfordshireopenthought.org now, a bookshop in Oxford is doing things a little bit differently when it comes to getting shoppers back in and feeling confident after lockdown. Charlie from Blackwells told me more about what they're up to. All around Oxford and and, and towns and the outlying area nearby, Blackwells' wooden books seem to be popping up in strange and peculiar places. Um, and if you spot one as you're around town... Pick, a, pick it up and bring it into the bookshop on Broad Street and you can claim a prize from us. We're tweeting the old clue um, from our Twitter account, Blackwell Oxford, um, but they are popping up everywhere. Um, and if you do find one, bring it in, get your prize. Brilliant. So what sorts of places are we talking about? Could you find it on a park bench or in a tree or something? Absolutely. You might find it tucked away down by, by the river in Oxford or you might see it near a near a, um, a, a literary pub in the city, or you might find one out up in Summertown or in Abingdon or out in Whitney. Um, they're really popping up everywhere. Um, so, yeah, just keep your eyes peeled. It's a, it's, a, it's a wooden book, and it says in lovely handwriting, Blackwell's wooden book, and tells you exactly what to do with it when you find it. And the whole point is, as well as just being a really a nice thing to do, I think, is you just want to get people coming back in your doors again. Is, are you hoping people will just feel confident about shopping again? 
I think so. It's been, I mean, it's been so lovely to have the shop open here on Broad Street again. And, you know, it's, a, it's been a long time that shops and bookshops have been closed. We're now, we've now been back for four weeks and it has just been really lovely to welcome customers back. Um, you know, lots of regulars here, or people we often see, you know, a couple of times a week, you know, we haven't seen for three months. Um, so really nice to have the doors open and to encourage people back in. We're, you know, we're really serious about safety at Blackwells and making sure that there's lots of space and we're keeping everything clean and um, prospect screens at tills and inquiry points. And so we're all, you know, we're all about making sure that we're keeping that risk of infection as low as possible and so that people can come and do what they love, browsing in a real proper bookshop and can feel safe and reassured um, uh, that it's that it's an okay thing to do, um, and we know that people are coming out, you know, coming out from their homes at different speeds, and we're very much um, here for people also who who are you know, shielding or having to stay at home for the time being for other reasons, and that's why we've you know we've always got our Blackwell's online bookshop, blackwells.co.uk, where you sent thousands and thousands of books out all through lockdown, keeping people reading. Um, and we're really happy now to have, for, um, for within the Oxford Ring Road, we've got our free bike delivery service. So if you ring us up and we've got the book in stock, we'll get it out to you um, the next day on a bike. So a good a bit of a green measure there, but one you know, that gets the book into your hand really quickly too. Good. And is there any other sort of initiatives or little projects that you've got mm, going on at the moment? Yeah, absolutely. So summer holidays are starting to get underway for kids now. It's been a very strange term for, for all of them, really, hasn't it? Um, and we know that lots of, lots of children have spent a lot of time at home over the last couple of months. Um, and we want to help spring them into their reading, maybe. Um, they spend quite a lot of time on a screen doing whether it's Zoom lessons or just keeping themselves occupied on the internet or um, computer games in the meantime. So we've got some great initiatives starting up here with the summer holidays to help kids spring into their reading. So we've got our Book Doctor service, which is our wonderful children's booksellers. You can book a, an appointment with them and, you can, and your child can have a real sort of personalised, tailored uh, recommendation service. So if they're a bookworm already and into their reading, can really help them find that next author they're going to love. And maybe if, they're, if they haven't quite got into the love of books yet, um, it's a really good way to get them started and, and to start to share that passion that we as readers all feel. So that's something that's getting underway um, uh, this weekend. And we also have our Blackwell's Reading Club, which is, you know, sadly we can't all get together and discuss books in reading groups, maybe exactly like we, like we used to. But we're sending a bit of a challenge to young readers with our Reading Club membership card. They tick off each uh, book as they read it. And when they've filled up their card, they can come in and get a special Blackwell's Summer Book Club membership badge. Finally, now a children's hospice in Oxford has welcomed a celebrity visitor. David Beckham popped into Helen and Douglas House for a couple of hours to meet staff and families and he even squeezed in some time to have a bit of a kickabout. Claire Perriton from the charity told me how it was a much needed boost at a really difficult time for them. I don't think people quite believed it at first when he meets people. just go quiet and then they kind of warm up a bit as, um, as he talks to them. He spent time with every family and, and every family member uh, and what really struck me is his kindness and his compassion and his patience. We're not really sure how to sort of deal with celebrities if ever we get to meet them, are we? But I like to think when I sort of read about or see David Beckham on telly, he seems like a really nice, genuine guy, is, is he? 
you've summed it up. He's an absolute gentleman. He's um, he is a really lovely person, and he played pool with two of the lads, and was just so, as I say, so patient, but um, also very special with them. He made them feel he made them feel like the only person in the room. Um, he paid, also paid a particular attention to the sisters of some of the lads and he said they were both very pretty and they looked lovely and, and, and that was just a very kind and, and thoughtful thing to do. Um, and we had a really good chat with one of the dads about football um, and you could see so you can see everyone relax as, as 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 the kind of conversation went on. It's so nice. And I love that, you know, it was the parents and the dads that were just ex- as excited as seeing him as the children. They were. So we had we had, had mums, dads and aunts and, and they were they were very excited to see him. I'm interested in his kind of you know, he was he, he shared that he's got three dogs. He shared that that homeschooling was difficult with his boys but not with his daughter. He was just like a really nice, normal chap. And it's been a tough time for some of the families there, hasn't it? Recently, you know, more than normal <coughs> potentially during COVID nineteen. What's it been like there? It's been really hard, actually. So a lot of the families gain support from the other families that are in. But as you can imagine, we can't have as many families in. And then the families who are in are social distanced. And one of the one of the big things about us as a as a, as a hospice is that families kind of sit and eat together as a, in a in a community and share things. And and at the moment we're not having big meals around the table. And we can't have lots of family members in. So if someone's dying. Um, sadly dying, sometimes you'll have the whole family in it and then you can only have their parents or their siblings in. So we're having to facilitate visits for grandparents in the garden. Thank goodness we've got the garden. Um, and we have to think about lots of different ways to do things. And if people don't come in because they're shielding and they're so scared that their children are going to get, or them are going to get poorly. So we're, they're staying at home. So we're thinking about ways that we can give them care at home, including giving them hampers and things like that. So it's been a way we've had to be very agile um, and we haven't been able to have as many people in at the same time. And I don't see that changing hugely in the near future. Hopefully in the medium future, we're looking at ways that we can get more families in. Of course, it's safety first for you guys always, isn't it? And I'm guessing, though, David Beckham visiting did manage to put a smile on everyone's face, you know, and, and take the stress off just for a little while. It did. It did. Everyone, whether they be a fundraiser or a caterer or a care team member or a nurse, has worked so hard, really hard, over the past few months, four months. And actually, it was it was a really lovely thing to look forward to. And on the day, everybody had makeup on and everyone was smiling. Well, not the boys, of course, but um, I yeah. It was um, it was a really a really special and thoughtful thing to do that in and that feeling or those waves are still washing over us uh, and that's really lovely so this is a time that we still need people's support so we've been really fortunate to have government support through this um as almost like an extension of the nhs but it's still really important that that the, the community of oxfordshire still support us we need you now more than ever if david wants to pop into jack hq anytime by the way i would be okay with that just so you know we haven't got a pool table though but we have got a ping pong table if you fancy it david anyway that's about it for you a nice little taster there of all the local virusy stuff we've been talking about this week just make sure you give us a little follow on twitter at jack fm news for your daily dose 